Today's report offers a number of opportunities for the government to improve its ongoing response and recovery efforts. Hi, and welcome to GEO's Watchdog Report, your source for news and information from the U.S. Government Accountability Office, celebrating 100 years of fact-based, nonpartisan government oversight. I'm Holly Hobbs. U.S. COVID-related infections and deaths set alarming records in January, which further drew attention to delays in coronavirus vaccine efforts and the need for better planning to address this evolving public health and economic crisis. Here at GAO, we've been monitoring and reviewing the federal response to COVID-19 and are issuing bi-monthly reports that, among things, identify opportunities for the federal government to improve its response and prepare for future challenges. Today, we talk with three GAO experts about our latest report. Joining us are Nikki Clowers, the Managing Director of our healthcare team, Tom Costa, an Acting Director in our Education, Workforce, and Income Security team, and Bill Shear, a Director in our Financial Markets and Community Investment team. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Holly. Thanks for having me, Holly. Thank you, Holly. So, Nikki, let's start with a question about the government's response to the pandemic as a health crisis. The COVID vaccine rollout has not met public expectation. Operation Warp Speed, which was the government's program for developing vaccines quickly, had a goal of producing 300 million vaccine doses, but fell significantly short of that goal. What's delaying distribution and use of vaccines? First, I think we need to acknowledge the record time that Operation Warp Speed and its partners achieved in developing multiple vaccines. But as you noted, the rate of vaccination has fallen quite short of the goals. And the problems, they really center around the last mile. That is getting the vaccine distributed and into the arms of Americans. And this is a challenging task because it involves multiple players from all levels of government as well as the private and non-public sectors in some cases. And this is why we had called for the government back in late summer to ensure good communication and coordination. States need more visibility over how much vaccine they can expect and when they'll be receiving it. Providers need communication in terms of what their role is to be. And there's also a public health campaign that's needed to educate and reassure Americans about taking vaccines. This communication really does need to be ongoing, routine, and very consistent. And for those of us who haven't had the vaccine, testing remains important for controlling the spread of the virus, right? What's the status of the federal efforts to develop a national testing strategy? The former administration did provide some strategic documents on testing, but they were not comprehensive. They did not include the elements that I just talked about, and they were not made publicly available. As a result, some of the stakeholders were confused about their roles. The new administration recently released uh, new pandemic strategies and plans. We are in the process of reviewing those plans and we'll report our assessment of them in future reporting. Nikki, it feels like we've spent almost a year talking about critical medical supply shortages. What supplies are still hard to come by, and what could the federal government do to rectify these shortages? You're right, Holly. We have been talking about shortages for a long time now, and there's been some shortages that have persisted, and some new shortages have emerged. 
If you remember early on, it was ventilators. And then there was a shortage of PPE and gloves. And then there was a shortage of testing supplies. And now we're hearing about shortages of certain components needed for vaccine development and distribution. Some of this was quite predictable. And there was a warning sign from our past experiences with pandemics or other outbreaks. And that's why this summer, we immediately called for HHS to develop a plan for addressing these shortages. Uh, To date, these recommendations uh, have not been fully implemented. So what are we recommending in our new report? We continue to track these issues and make an additional recommendation. The department has taken some steps to start to develop a plan to examine the medical supply chain and for ways to strengthen that supply chain. But we think they really need to be engaging their non-federal partners in Congress more in doing so. And so some communities are getting hit harder by the pandemic. For example, Los Angeles has been in the news lately. Do we know if or how the federal government is prioritizing health resources to help those communities? The federal government has tried to be more agile in responding to certain areas or the emerging risks. But one key barrier in doing so is the lack of standardized data. The healthcare system is very fragmented in the United States. At the federal level, there's multiple federal agencies that could be involved in the healthcare system and the collection of data. The same is true. There's multiple entities at the state and local level. And then, of course, you have the private sector. So there's a lack of comprehensive information. And as a result, each entity or level of government may be collecting information in a different way or using different definitions. And so this really creates a problem for trying to assess trends of the pandemic to make comparisons across states, uh, regions, or even populations, and then to take the appropriate and, and quick action. And so we make a recommendation in the, this report that HHS immediately bring together a group of experts to help them determine how to align the data collection and uh, reporting standards. Okay, Tom, we've heard from Nikki about the important recommendations for promoting comprehensive planning to ensure faster, more efficient responses to the health crisis. Your team looked at the risk to Americans in their workplaces. Specifically, you looked at how the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, is protecting workers. What can you tell us? Worker safety has been a really big issue during the pandemic, especially for those workers who don't have the option to telework. OSHA receives complaints and referrals of workplace hazards, including COVID-related ones from workers and other sources. And during the pandemic months of February through December, OSHA received almost 13,000 of these COVID-related complaints and referrals. OSHA also requires employers to report on work-related fatalities and severe injuries and illnesses, including hospitalizations, and tracks which of these are related to COVID. And how many reports did OSHA get in 2020? OSHA received over 900 fatality reports and over 1,700 hospitalization reports related to COVID. And how reliable are these reports? Well, we found that OSHA doesn't have complete data to inform its enforcement efforts. OSHA's regulations only require employers to report hospitalizations that occur within 24 hours of a worker being exposed to the virus. But COVID's symptoms don't appear for 2 to 14 days until after exposure. So employers are essentially not required to report these hospitalizations. And given the virus's incubation period and other potential ways workers could be exposed, 
It's also really difficult for employers to determine which COVID hospitalizations and fatalities are actually work-related. And as a result, OSHA is missing critical information which it could use to inform its enforcement efforts and help keep workers safe. Did we make any recommendations to OSHA to improve its oversight? Yeah, we did. We recommended that OSHA determine what additional information needs to better target its enforcement efforts and protect workers from COVID. For example, OSHA could explore using public health data to identify industries or locations experiencing high rates of COVID. We also took a look at how OSHA adapted its enforcement methods during the pandemic. Because of resource constraints and safety concerns for its inspectors, OSHA started remotely inspecting some workplaces instead of doing so in person. And while we understand the needs for OSHA to adapt its enforcement methods during these challenging times, OSHA hasn't been fully tracking its use of the adapted enforcement methods that it needs to do in order to follow through on its own oversight plan. So we're making two recommendations that OSHA develop a plan to implement the oversight processes it's already developed and that OSHA make sure its data systems capture the agency's use of its methods so it's ready to perform this oversight when it's able to do so. Bill, we've talked about the health risks of COVID and the government's response. Now let's turn to the economy. Congress approved the use of loans and grants to help small businesses and nonprofits affected by the pandemic under the Small Business Administration's Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, but there have been concerns about payments to ineligible businesses and fraud. What can you tell us about this? Holly, SBA's Inspector General has found extensive evidence of loans and grants going to potentially ineligible businesses. The FBI is also heavily involved in investigating potential fraud. In addition, we found that many loans and grants went to potentially ineligible businesses, such as adult entertainment and casino gambling. Finally, hundreds of financial institutions have filed thousands of suspicious activity reports related to the program with the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. So what is SBA doing to prevent payments from going to ineligible or fraudulent businesses? SBA has contractors conducting automated reviews, followed up with manual reviews conducted by its loan officers to identify applicants submitting information that raises eligibility concerns. We continue to seek information from SBA to determine how robust the oversight is. So Bill, did we make any recommendations to SBA? Yes, we did. Data analytics is used to identify potentially fraudulent activity. We are recommending that SBA develop and implement data analytics across loans and grants made in response to COVID-19. So Nikki, last question, what's the bottom line of this report? Today's report offers a number of opportunities for the government to improve its ongoing response and recovery efforts. We urge the new Congress and the new administration as they are setting their priorities for the coming year to swiftly act on today's recommendations that we're making as well as our past recommendations from our previous reports. That was GAO's Nikki Clowers, Tom Costa, and Bill Shear talking about our newest report on the federal response to COVID-19. Thank you all for your time. Thank you for having me, Holly. Thanks so much for having me, Holly. Thank you, Holly. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for listening to the Watchdog Report. To hear more podcasts, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. And make sure you leave a rating and review to let others know about the work we're doing. For more from the Congressional Watchdog, the U.S. Government Accountability Office, visit us at gao.gov.